This morning we're going to take a look for a few moments in the book of Nehemiah. We're continuing our <clears throat> our look through Nehemiah and we're in chapter 8. I'll read in a few moments time and the and the uh, topic, the title for for this morning is celebrating God's faithfulness. That was a topic chosen weeks months ago for for this morning. And we've actually got two two passages um, so we've got a little bit at the beginning, a bit in chapter 8 and a bit in chapter 12 as well. And we'll, we'll look into that in a few moments' time. To help us, uh, to help us get thinking about that, um, let me tell you about something that happened on Tuesday evening. On Tuesday night, um, there was uh, there's quite a bit going on uh, in, in my mind. Uh, you'll find that hard to believe, I'm sure, but occasionally there is. And uh, just uh, things to think about, reflect on, pray and I was very much thinking about what to, this this message for this morning. And I went for a walk. That's that's my kind of avenue to think, reflect, pray. It, it's walking. Uh, and so I went out of where we live, out of our house, and I headed towards Morecambe. Good idea. And, uh, and I started to go toward, and I just kept walking. And there was this kind of really cold wind that was blowing, hitting me in the face. Uh, and as I was walking uh, on through Morecambe, every now and again I would hear this kind of, this sound, and I couldn't work out what it was. It, it was a sound that was, it was kind of deep and full. It, it was faint, but you could tell there was a lot to it. And the, the, the longer I walked, the more I started hearing it. And it sounded like kind of rattling. It was loud. It was perhaps singing or, or shouting. And, and because I just couldn't work out what this sound was, in your mind takes you to strange places I thought there's there's a riot that's kicked off in downtown Markham, and, and then your mind said, "Look, I looked around. Thought, there's not many people walking. Everybody else knows about it. They're all there or safely in their homes." And I couldn't work out what it was: singing, shouting, getting louder and louder. I wonder if you know what it was. Tuesday night on in Markham, it was Markham uh, FC were playing Wigan Athletic. So there was this football game going on at the stadium in Morecambe, and it was the sound of people singing and shouting and chanting and celebrating and ultimately not celebrating um, that, that, that I could hear and on Tuesday night as out. And, and what we're going to look at this morning is going to look at God's people getting together to celebrate, and that celebration is heard for miles around. There's a sense of, of celebration in God's people. So here's what I'd, I'd like us to do. Um, because we've got these two two passages, we're going to read Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9 to 18, and we're going to just try and live in that text for a few minutes, just kind of live in it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll pull out one or two things, and then I'll just see how they're reflected in the second passage. But we won't, uh, we won't read that. We won't uh, have time to spend too long there. So Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 9. Picking up from where we left off last week, if you were if you were here or watching along last week, as uh, God's people, have, the, the wall has been built, they've gathered together, they're hearing um, the word of God explained and explored to them. Verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of the families, along with the priests and Levites, gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout the towns in Jerusalem, Go out into the hill country and bring back, bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built temporary uh, shelters on their own roofs and in the courtyards, in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and on the and on. On the, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day of, till the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. So let's uh, unpack that for a few moments. Let's start just by, by kind of getting in to see, see what's happening in those verses. You might notice at the beginning, verse 9 and 10, see the people are weeping. They're, they're mourning, they're grieving. So in a section which is all about thankfulness and celebration and joy and delight, we start with this sense of, of sadness, this heaviness. And, and there might be a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I think that certainly part of it is that people are feeling a conviction. They've, they've come together, meeting together, God's word has been spoken to them. And there's a sense of conviction because, because God's word is an insight into God's character. And so as people um, uh, have God's word uh, kind of read and explained to them, they see his holiness and his might and his power and his, his magnificence and his tenderness, his love and his compassion and his faithfulness. And it's only obvious to kind of see our own shortcomings in that sense and to be more aware of where we fall short of, of our sin. There's a sense of conviction. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So there's a, there's a sense of conviction. But perhaps alongside that, there's also a bit of a, a sense of, of loss as the people gather together and they, they hear the law, they, they look back on, the, on their history, they see what they've had and, and what they've lost. They see the, the consequence, the result, the price of their sinfulness. 
They see that they've had their independence. They've had self-rule. They've had a big land. They've had so much. But they've, they've lost so much. They see the, the pain, the consequence of, of, of the sin of their past. And then maybe, and then maybe mixed in with it all, sometimes as God's people meet together under the, under the authority of his word, under, under the teaching of his word, sometimes that is a safe place where, where we do express emotion. The people here have just finished building this wall. That was finished on the 25th day of the sixth month. This is the second day of the seventh month. And all of that, all of that uh, strain of that wall, wall being built. Remember, they've been building a trowel in one hand, a sword in the other. Blisters on their hands, sore backs, busted knees. The, the, the physical toll, the mental toll of, of um, coming through that discouragement, facing those enemies... The, the emotional, physical, spiritual, all that aspect, and they come together as God's people under the authority of his word, and there's just a, a, an outpouring of emotion. I wonder if that's an experience that you've had at times in, in your own life, that just, just coming together with God's people, singing, praising, listening to, to teaching, there's just something about that which enables us, which just brings the tears so there's lots happening in the lives of the people, and yet they're encouraged to celebrate. I want to notice just three things, three very small, uh, very short things to, to notice of, about this celebration that they have. And they interlap and overlap, um, so, so, so the, the points kind of merge together a little bit, but that's okay. The first is this, that there is a time to celebrate. There's a time to celebrate. Here, the, the people are encouraged to, to go and enjoy, to celebrate with great joy. There's a time to celebrate God's faithfulness. And it's interesting that that time to celebrate, it's not because everything's sorted. It's not because there's no problems. The enemies that were there a couple of chapters ago, still there outside the city walls. Problems, still there. Chapters 9 and 10 are about confession of sin. Things are not all perfect. They've not won the lottery and all the problems have gone. But there is a time to celebrate. There's a time, and I think that what's happening here is the leaders attain to the people. It's time as we come together to look up from our blistered hands and look up and see the faithfulness of God. To look up and, and see what God has been doing and who he is. In, in the midst of our, of our successes and our challenges. It's really interesting that as the chapter 8 goes on, we get this brief description that the people are going to celebrate the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And it might just be worth mentioning a little bit about this feast that they're going to celebrate together. I think it's really interesting. It's, it's a feast that was to be held um, on the 15th day of the seventh month. So as they read the read the, the 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 law, they've got about two weeks to kind of get ready for it. And what's really interesting is is this is a festival that's outlined in Leviticus and in Numbers in Deuteronomy. It's a really significant festival, and it takes place just after another really significant time, which is the Day of Atonement, which takes place on the tenth of the seventh month. 
and, and while now is not the time to <laughs> go into the Day of Atonement in a big detail, it's a really significant time for God's people because it's about how a holy God is going to, to dwell with a people who are not holy. And, and so it's, it's a time when the people come together on the Day of Atonement and they recognize we've got a problem called sin. But God is going to deal with the problem. And, and, and the problem is that the, the, uh, a, a, an animal will be sacrificed. So the, pe- the penalty, the price of sin is going to be paid by a substitute. And then uh, the people will lay their hands on a goat, and the goat is sent out into the wilderness, a scapegoat. That's where we get the, the phrase from, as a recognition that the sin is taken away. The substitute is sacrificed, and the sin is taken away. So sin is dealt with, and then there's this week-long celebration a couple of days later called the Feast of Tabernacles. And and, and it's just really significant. The, the, God highlights the problem, and he deals with it. And then he, he orders or issues an a invitation for the people to celebrate and recognize what that means. Their sin's forgiven. And, and the Feast of Tabernacles has a couple of different layers to it. But the idea is that people will all come and meet in Jerusalem. And they'll all live in these temporary shelters. A little bit like everyone coming together to live in tents. So whatever, however big your house is, however successful you've been... However, uh, you know, how limited success you have, everyone's together. This is about humility and equality. And, and people all come together and they make these temporary shelters. And it's partly to do with the celebration of harvest. So we're remembering God's uh, faithfulness in providing food. It's a recognition for the time when the people walked through the wilderness for 40 years. And, uh, and God kept them as he lived in these tents back then. So it's about their identity, it's about uh, humility, it's about God's faithfulness in providing for them and looking after them in the past, as well as at harvest time. So can you picture that scene as everyone comes together, everyone living in temporary shelters, there's this humility, equality, togetherness, fellowship, and and together the people are going to celebrate what God has done. They come together together. And they lift their eyes, as it were, together to say, look at what our God has done. Look at what he has done. He's dealt with our sin. He's kept us in the past and he's provided for us in the present. That, that's, I think that's what's kind of happening here. There is a time to celebrate. And it's interesting that that festival is repeated every year, that God incorporates into the rhythm of the life of God's people times to celebrate together, to stop working, to stop what the, the, the rest of life doing, to, to put aside your role and your profession and your home and all the things that we sort of identify ourselves with and come together, everyone in a temporary shelter and celebrate God's faithfulness together. Secondly, not, and you'll see these very much overlap. There's not just a time to celebrate, but there's also a reason and, and that reason to celebrate as the people come together is looking back. Look at, look at how God has kept us over the years. He's brought us out of Egypt. He brought them into the land that he's given them. He's brought them back from exile. He's enabled them to live in this city. Their walls are rebuilt. The harvest has come in. The sin, that, the sin of the people has been dealt with. 
there's a time to celebrate and there's plenty of reasons to celebrate. And the reasons aren't, aren't really to do with the people so much. It's not the people's achievements. It's not their behavior. It's not how wonderful they are or, or their success. They're celebrating what God has done. They're celebrating his faithfulness, his kindness, and his goodness. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there is a way to celebrate. There's a way to celebrate. And it's really simple. It's interesting that that Nehemiah sends the people out and he says, go on and eat and share sweet drinks together. And there are some people in the community who don't have that. Send them food. Invite them in. Make sure everyone's a part of it. And then they're to, to, to kind of observe this festival, the tabernacles, as they live in these shelters for a week. And they, uh, each day we read there at the end that they go and listen to the word of God uh, spoken and explained. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like a week at Cape and Ray. Um, but it, it's like this, this, this week out of, of, of what life normally looks like to, to specifically come under the teaching of God's word and be together. And, and God has set that out for them. And what really strikes me about the way they celebrate is that in this passage, which is so full of joy and celebration, is that that all flows out of obedience. Often we think of obedience as having to do things we don't want to do or not doing things that we'd like to do. And, there's a, and there is that element to obedience. But, but here, obedience is, is, is the gate that the people walk through towards joy. Because there's a freedom in it. As the people get together, it's not about comparing their achievements. It's about looking at the Lord and what he has done. It's not about your house you live in or the job that you have or how successful you've been this week or the way you've blown it recently or a failed relationship. or it, it, It's actually, it's not about you at all. <laughs> It's about, it's about God and his faithfulness, about what he has done. And so there's a freedom for the people to come together, to, to celebrate, to rejoice because of the faithfulness of God, because of who he is and what he's done. Sin's forgiven, his faithfulness displayed, and, 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 and that instills a hope for the future. The second passage that we have um, is in Nehemiah chapter 12, and we'll not read it, but it's verses 27 to 47, and it's about the people dedicating the, the walls that have been built. And so they do it in a, a particular way. They divide into two, and they walk along the walls as these two choirs go around the walls singing. And it's a, it's a really beautiful picture, and people can hear it for miles around. And again, there's a lot of joy and a lot of celebration. And the same things are, are sort of evidenced there as well. There's, there's a time to celebrate. As the people stop and recognize what's happened. This wall that was an absolute disgrace has been rebuilt. That that provides an opportunity for the city to rebuild and the people to be rebuilt. And so they pause and stop and celebrate. There's a time to celebrate. There's a reason. And again, it's the faithfulness of God. As the people lift their eyes 
from the kind of the cost of rebuilding as evidenced in their physical bodies. And they think this is what something that God has done. This is a work we've been involved in. That's not about us. It's about him. And there's a way to celebrate. And as they celebrate, they follow the way set out by King David all those years before. And once again, there's this joy flowing out of obedience. There's this very simple sense of we've read it in God's word and now we're going to do it. And sometimes there's a big gap between those two things. We read it. We get really familiar with it. We know about it. We can pass tests about it. We can challenge each other on our knowledge of it. But it's not much use unless we do it. And the, the people have read it and they do it. They put it into practice. And there's a, there's, there's a joy and a freedom that comes from obedience. So what does that mean for us then this morning? What does that look like for us? Well, we, we live in a different time and a different context to the people in Nehemiah. But the principles, I suspect, are just the same. There's nothing new under the sun. And I think it's, it's useful to, to build into the rhythm of our lives a chance to celebrate God's faithfulness together. To build into our lives a chance to come together as God's people to celebrate, to, to lift our eyes from our blistered hands, to lift our eyes from the challenges that we, we go through and to see what God is doing, to see his faithfulness, to see his character and to praise him together. And that's what we do, isn't it, on a, on a Sunday. It's perhaps what we do when we meet up through the week as we share, maybe we share meals together as we invite uh, others in who perhaps don't have that opportunity. There's a time to celebrate. There's a reason to celebrate and a way to celebrate. Because ultimately, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he has uh, he's, he's dealt with our sin problem, and he has dealt with it once and for all. This is what Hebrews says. Speaking of the Lord Jesus... In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he'd provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. As we look up, we see the Lord Jesus remembering what he's done for us, which is perfect and complete, and his work is done. And he will, uh, he will sustain us. And it's good to, to recognize and to celebrate that truth. I'm going to ask the band if they'd like to come back to uh, to this stage. I'm going to pray as we close and we'll sing together a final song. As our heads are bowed, let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you 
We thank you this morning that you are a faithful God. Father, you don't leave us or forsake us. That through every season and every chapter of the story, that you journey alongside. Closer than that, Lord, that you come to live within us. Father, thank you that you're a gracious God. And Lord, we pray that in whatever situation we find ourselves in this morning, in the, in the valley or on the mountain, or frankly unsure of just whereabouts we are, Father, thank you for your faithful promise that you are there with us. And Father, without taking away from the challenge, without, without cheapening the tears, Father, we want to lift our eyes and celebrate your, your goodness and grace, your character, your purposes. And even when that is a mystery to us, even when, frankly, we just don't understand. Father, we just, we just say that we trust you. And ask, Lord, that you would be pleased to write a, a wonderful story of your faithfulness and goodness through the pages of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.